Hey, welcome to another episode of the Hopecast, the weekly sermon series from Hope Church RC in Rutherford County, North Carolina. Thanks for listening. Uh, so far, we've had over 100 unique playbacks uh, according to our uh, insights. And uh, man, that's great. That's a big benchmark. So thanks to everyone who's been listening. If you enjoy it, please share it. Uh, we'd love uh, to, to get the word out the, for more people to hear the good news of the gospel. So uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. This week we're looking at Acts chapter 11, the first 18 verses where Peter is called to task for um, for taking the message of Jesus outside of the Jewish community. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good look at Peter's defense that the gospel is for everyone and uh, and it's time to examine our own selves. Maybe there have been people that we have kept at arm's length that we have kind of withheld uh, the good news from whether intentionally or unintentionally. And it's time that we should repent of those things. Anyways, hope you enjoy and uh, God bless. Well, it's really good to see everybody. Hope you all are doing well. And uh, we'll be in uh, the book of Acts again, kind of going through Acts a little bit at a time, kind of like we did with Luke. Um, and uh, we'll be in chapter 11 today, if you want to go ahead and be pulling that up. Um, question got to think, or that came to mind uh, because of our passage this week. Have you ever tried to fit into a group? And what group was it? Anybody, anybody have an answer? Has there ever been a group? They've tried to fit into whether it was like an organized, you know, organi- organization, like a, like an organized thing, or just a group of people. Who was it, and and why? Anybody have anybody want to say anything? Huh? The cool kids? You weren't in the cool kids? I'm shocked. I really am. No, you're you're cool to me, Cameron. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel that. Like I thought my friends were kind of cool, but we weren't the popular kids. Yeah, I feel that. Okay, yeah. Sarah? Your coworkers? Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you, people you got to work with, right? You want to get along with them, right? Anybody else? What? what did, you, did you have something, Kenji? No, okay, cool. I thought you did. Have you ever tried to fit in with a group that, didn't necessarily want you to be in their group. You don't have to shout that one out. That's okay. I think we've all kind of had that. Your fa- <laughs> your family. <laughs> don't be looking around too hard now. <laughs> uh, what what links do people go to to fit in with different groups? Right. We might change things about how we act, not being true to ourselves, how we really are. Yeah, we pretend, right? Try to be something we're not. There's so many, like, um, I remember, like, there seems like a lot of movies from, like, the 90s, early 2000s about people changing something totally about who they are to try to fit in with the group. What was the movie, like, Mean Girls or something, where uh, she tried to change who she was and then realized she didn't really want to be part of that group anyways because they were mean girls, right? They were They were mean. They didn't. You didn't need to be in that group. And maybe now um, that character and those of us that have been in maybe a similar situation 
are glad that we weren't included, right? Uh, or maybe they regret, maybe there's a time where you regret being included in something, right? Um, they, uh, they reminds me a lot of um, the multi-level marketing stuff. Uh, I don't know if, if you, well, I don't, I, well, I'm going to say it. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of people that I see on Facebook nowadays, like, posting pictures of random people that they don't seem to know, and I don't know, and are like, this person lost a lot of weight. And just like, and that's, I'm like, that's great. That's fantastic for that person. Why are you posting their picture? This feels like very suspicious to me. Don't message me. I don't want to buy your food. But anyways, um, it just seems like <laughs> um, if, if, if you're on that, if you have a friend on that, man, that's amazing. Do, do your thing. I, I just don't want to. Um, but in the Bible, we weren't originally included. Now, I say we, I mean sinners, of course, but Gentiles, non-Jewish folk were not included in the original covenant. Okay, God's covenant was with the Israelites and so today's passage is about that, and it just kind of got me thinking about not only groups that we try to belong to or maybe are not able to be, but also maybe folks or groups that we ourselves keep at arm's length, and maybe we need to re-examine some of that, right? Because we definitely don't want to be welcoming in things that are going to have an undue influence on us, right? We need to be careful about the sorts of things we watch and the sorts of things we say and the people that we hang out with. We know that. But at the same time, are there possibly people or groups that we Christians, the church, is keeping at arm's length and we're the ones that are in the wrong because of it, maybe? I don't know. We're going to look at that today. So Acts, of course, <clears throat> like we talked about a couple weeks ago, is basically Luke volume 2, okay? Because Luke ran out, of, ran out of space on the scroll he was writing on and just he kept going and it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Okay, the apostles being those that were with Jesus, those that saw Jesus. Uh, this is talking about the early church and how everything got started. And we talked a couple weeks ago about how the church broke out in Jerusalem. Thousands of people were being added to their numbers. Uh, Saul, there was a man named Saul who was a Pharisee. He went on a rampage against the church, going from town to town with letters of authority, throwing folks in prison, men, women, children. didn't matter if they were followers of Jesus, followers of the way. He was persecuting them, right? <clears throat> and then also in, in Acts, Peter, time and time again, one of the main apostles, uh, was brought before the Jewish leaders several times because of things that he had done. They imprisoned him. He would escape. Angels would release him. Earthquakes would come about. He would, his chains would fall off. And basically, it went, at some point, the leaders were like, look, we can't do anything with this guy. So they just like, kind of left him alone. Well, they ran him out of Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so all the things that these apostles, the early church was doing was all bringing honor and glory to God and building up his name, right? They were becoming a group that you wanted to be in, you wanted to belong to, because what better group to belong to than one that loves you no matter what? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, they love you. They're not judging you. They're not keeping you at bay. They're welcoming you. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? Who doesn't want the love and the closeness, the forgiveness of God, right? 
But eventually Peter was ran out of Jerusalem, basically. He was chased away, and he found himself in Joppa. Okay, Joppa, which was a port city, J-O-P-P-A. Uh, we'll talk about how that's kind of a little bit significant. Not really significant, just interesting in a little bit. Uh, and an important part of the puzzle of the early church fell into place while he was in Joppa. And that's the passage we're going to look at today in Acts chapter 11. Um, Jaden had talked about and he doesn't want to now. Okay, earlier we practiced and everything. Jaden was going to read our scripture for us today, but now he's got some uh, some stage fright. Are you sure? You, do you want to or no? Yes or no? Last, last chance. Going once. Going twice. Yes, no. Yes, well, come on in if you're coming. Come on. So we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 11, and uh, we're just going to read through uh, the first nine, voice, nine voices, nine uh, verses. I saw the word voice while I was scrolling. We're going to read through the first nine voices, and James is going to read through them for us. Where'd he go? Here he is. Um, and so he's going to read through them for us, and he's going to read nice and loud and clear. Ain't that right? Yeah, yeah, you're going to do it. All right, you want to try it? Speaking the mic. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the world of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party party. Criticized him, saying, "You went to uncircumcise men and ate with them." Peter began to explain to them step by step. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance on an object that resembled an a large sheet coming down, being, being lowered by its four corners from heaven as it came to me. When I looked closely and considered, I saw the four-footed animal of the earth, the wild beast, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually, ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answers from heaven a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call impure. Very good, Jay. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. That was very good. He's a good reader. <clears throat> so Peter had found himself in Joppa, like we talked about, and uh, he went up. He went back up to Jerusalem after his time in Joppa, and the people of what they called the circumcision party had uh, had confronted him and they said you went to uncircumcised or non-jewish people and you ate with them you accepted them you showed them kindness explain yourself 
right? Because to them, uh, they were they were Jews, yes, but they followed they were Jews that followed Jesus, but they still identified heavily as Jews, and they still thought that God Yahweh was only for the Jewish people, right? By the way, as a side note, a circumcision party doesn't sound like anything I want to be involved in. I'm just saying. Um, it just meant like a political party. Doesn't sound like a party to me. But anyways, Joppa was a port city in Israel. And it's interesting because Joppa is actually the place where Jonah ran to to escape uh, God's calling on his life. If you remember from the book of Jonah, God called him to go to the city of Nineveh to tell them to repent and turn from their sins. And Jonah had a similar uh, reaction. He's like, God, they're not Jewish. They're not my brothers and sisters. They're not Israelites. Why? Why am I going to them? Why would I? Because they're not going to turn from their sins. And so he ran to Joppa, got on a boat to try to go the opposite way, ended up in the belly of a great fish. And days later, three days later, he uh, was vomited back out on the beach. And he went into the city, preached to them about repentance and about God's forgiveness. And then they did, they turned from their sins. And God forgave them. And Jonah got mad about it. He was like, see, God, I knew that you was going to do that anyways. I knew that you, were going to re- that you were going to relent from your judgment on them. And that's one of the reasons I didn't want to go. Jonah was kind of like, I knew that you was going to do the right thing, and I didn't want you to. You ever been like that? I have. i got to be honest. I've been like that before. God, I know you love this person, but I really am not liking them right now, so I don't want you to be kind to them. And I don't want to be kind to them either. I, I have to repent, Okay. But in, in uh, Joppa, and, if, and you can read all, a lot about this uh, back in Acts chapter 9 and 10, Peter was staying in Joppa with a man named Simon the Tanner, okay? And uh, if you don't know anything about, or if you know anything about tanning, it's the process of turning animal skin into leather or, you know, materials to be used for clothing or, or whatever, Right? Uh, and it uses chemicals. Now, nowadays, we have like synthetic chemicals that folks use. But the traditional processes involve using either like brain matter or urine to as part of the process. Now, you can only imagine if you've ever visited a, a, a men's room that hasn't been cleaned in a while or a restroom at a, at a, at a public place that hasn't been cleaned for a while. Not very, not very sanitary, right? Not very pleasant to be in. Because where would you get large amounts of urine if you were a professional tanner? You probably had a common bucket that everyone used. and Well, there you go, right? Um, it was unclean. It was an unclean profession because you were dealing with dead bodies all the time, right? And, so they, were, and they were outcast. That's one of the reasons they were kind of put out by the sea, right? Put them out there and let the, let the breeze like blow the, the fumes away, right? Um, so Simon couldn't, Simon the Tanner wouldn't have been able to regularly worship at the temple because he was ritually unclean. And yet this is where Peter found himself. Peter, the, the, the main apostle, the head of the church, the one that Jesus told him, you're going to be, the one that, Pete, that Jesus, sorry, that Jesus directed him to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs, to take care of the church, the head honcho, so to speak, of the local church in Jerusalem, found himself in the house of a man who was considered ritually unclean. 
that's a status difference. Right? That's kind of a, a big deal. And so Peter has a vision while there. Okay? And in this vision, he sees all these different animals, right? Animals of all kinds. It says uh, the four-footed animals, reptiles, birds, all kinds of animals descending on like a sheet that was held up by the four corners. And he had a vision and God told him to kill and eat. And Peter said, never. I've never eaten anything unclean. Because if you look back in the law of Moses, there are several different types of animals that God mentions. It's okay to eat. Basically, if they have a, a split hoof, like a goat or a deer or something like that, it's okay to eat them. If they do not, like a pig, you cannot. Right? There are reptiles and birds that were mentioned that were unclean. You're not supposed to really eat insects, stuff like that. But God told Peter, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. And this happened three times. Now, in the Bible, every time that something happens three times, it shows completeness. It shows, like, significance. Right? This was something that God was serious about. And then not long after that, wait, sorry, God was serious about it. His, he was serious about letting Peter know that his love and his grace, his mercy, freely available for all, not just for Jewish people. All right? And then later sometime, later that, later after that, I'm getting stumbled over my words this morning, some people showed up from a man named Cornelius. He was a God-fearing Gentile, a Gentile that knew about Yahweh, had heard about him, and prayed to him. He feared him. He wanted to follow him. He respected him, right? And they came because Cornelius had also had a vision. And God told him, go find Peter. And Peter came and he spoke to, the, spoke to those people and they received the Holy Spirit while Peter was in their presence, Right? Those who were considered unclean, those who were considered outsiders, who were called in the Bible often in the prophets, not my people, were now considered to be included, to be clean, to be now my people. They have become part of the covenant promise of Christ. Peter came full circle, 180 degrees, to accepting non-Jewish people as believers in Christ. Now, it's easy, and I've fallen victim to this myself, it is easy to criticize Peter for taking too long to come around and realize this. But it's really, really hard to unlearn things, to unlearn bad habits, to unlearn bad attitudes and things that we have to change ourselves about. After the Civil War, there were folks in the United States that fought for the North, that wanted slavery abolished. But when it came time to integrate the millions of Africans that had been freed from slavery, all of a sudden they didn't want to have much to do with it. They were not in my backyard. They relegated them to, to worse parts of town, right? And after the Civil War, even though slavery had been abolished, we had a 100 years of Jim Crow laws that kept black folks segregated, relegated to certain parts of town, keeping them down in certain ways. Native American children were removed from their parents and sent to boarding schools so that they could be, quote-unquote, civilized because their culture was deeply connected to the earth and seemed backwards to those of us who were modern. 
They were removed hundreds or thousands of miles from their family. Many of them were abused and even killed, buried in unmarked mass graves in the United States and Canada, all because they weren't seen as equals or worthy of respect and love. And it's taken us a long time as a society to come around and realize those mistakes we've made, realize those faults, and to start to atone for them in some way, somehow. And it's a hard place to be in. And I don't, there's not a perfect answer. It's messy on all sides. Hopefully, we're a long way from going back to those times and that we're only going to get better. But we still have a ways to go when it comes to our thoughts, even personally, our thoughts and our feelings toward those outside of our culture or group. I remember a time in my life when the N-word was thrown around freely in my family, in my community, by me. And I regret it. There was a, a, a fellow student, I called that word a couple times in elementary school. I was in fifth grade. I was a big idiot. And thankfully, God has granted me, and this is not anything to pat myself on the back, but it's just the kind of, just to show you, like, we've all been there, um, Thankfully, he allowed me a chance to reconnect with this guy uh, several years ago, and I apologized. I said, man, I, I, I didn't know even what I was talking about back then, and I was speaking out of ignorance, and I'm sorry. And, and so, thankfully, he's given me that opportunity. But we still have a way to go lots of times when it comes to our thoughts and our feelings toward people outside of our culture or our group. And this is not, this is not me preaching some kind of social gospel or some, something about being woke, right? This is not CRT. This is not socialism I'm speaking. This is just being considerate. This is being a decent human being, loving my neighbor as myself like Jesus commands us to. It's not Marxism. It's grace. It's looking at other humans and realizing we're in the same position in, in light of God. We both need his forgiveness. We both need his grace. And because I've found it, because I have found his grace, I want to be gracious toward you. I want to be gracious and graceful toward other people so that they can hopefully find it themselves. In our passage today, some people are slow or hesitant to change. We talked about the circumcision party, the Jewish Christians who believed that, yes, salvation came to the Jews, but only for the Jews. And you still needed to follow the laws of Moses. You still needed to be circumcised. You still needed to follow all the dietary commands and the cultural and social norms. And they criticized Peter. They said, you went to outsiders and you brought them in. You accepted them. Uncircumcised men. They may as well have said the N-word. It was a slur they were throwing around. But Peter patiently, which is hard to do if you've ever been in a situation where somebody's trying to call you out and you know that they're the ones that are wrong. Man, I want to just like return their, their heat with a thousand times intensity back on them. But Peter graciously started to explain step by step what happened. When people's behavior changes, there's usually a reason. Usually it's a good one, but sometimes not so much. But Peter outlined his experience to them. Look, these people have changed. I want you to see my motivations. I'm not trying to do anything to harm you. I'm not trying to do anything to harm the church, the way I believe that this is what we should do. 
And there are so many believers right now, recently it's reminded me, going through a change in their beliefs over the past few years. Not just the past few years, it's been going on for a long time. Just a lot has been, a lot of attention has been focused on it lately. They call it deconstruction. And if you look back at the whole history of church, we've deconstructed from lots of things over the years. The whole Protestant Reformation was a deconstruction from the beliefs of Catholicism, right? And for many, they are reevaluating the things they believe in light of how the church, the capital C church, specifically for many people, the American evangelical church, they are re-examining um, their beliefs based on how many in that group have behaved socially, the things that they have said and done. They're re-examining what they've been taught versus what they see in the Bible and how they believe it should actually play out. And I think it can be both positive and negative, right? Anytime that we're getting closer to being how Jesus actually wants us to be, that's always a positive. But it could be negative. You run the risk of the pendulum swinging too far the other way, and now you find yourself maybe an atheist, right? I know people that have done that. Thankfully, there's always hope, right? I believe they can still come back, of course. And you will definitely lose touch with people who you thought were your friends. People who Sunday after Sunday would hug your neck and say, we love you, we love you so much, we love your family. We're so glad that you're in our church. And months and months go by now and you hear nothing. They don't reach out, they don't call. They act like nothing's happened or that you never existed. It's odd. It's hard and people don't like it. But Peter had the courage and the patience to lay out his case and to tell his story of how he was called to a Gentile's house to tell them about Jesus. And he talks, and in verse, um, well, looking back at verse 15, I'll read 15 through 18. It says, then as I began to speak, this is Peter talking, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord as he used to say, that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And therefore, he reasoned, if God gave them the same gift as he also gave us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to hinder God? And when they heard this, they ceased their objections and they praised God saying, so then God has granted the repentance that leads to life, even to the Gentiles. The entire household of Cornelius was saved. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples had been back in Acts chapter 2. They were freed from their sins and invited into this grand mission of redemption that Jesus has begun and invites us to even today. And I love how we see the, uh, the attitude of those who were questioning Peter immediately change. For them, it was probably unbelievable or even a historic moment that they never thought would happen, but they trusted God and they agreed, if God has done this, who are we to hinder God? If God has declared that what we used to think was unclean is now clean, who are we? And we can see lots of different areas of culture and life, especially in the church, that now would be unthinkable to support. But not that long ago, folks in the church supported it. 
slavery, interracial marriage. And now we're talking a lot about homosexuality and homosexual marriage. And over time, the church ends up supporting things that were unthinkable in the past. And here we have a similar thing here. But the truth is that grace is for all. There's no distinction between Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Forgiveness is available to anyone who will repent and believe in their hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, And recently, a preliminary opinion for a rehearing of Roe versus Wade came out, and it sparked a lot of talk, a lot of controversy from all sides of the issue. And it's an important issue. We should be talking about these things. We should be educated about them. And I have my own opinions on it. I'm not really going to share them here. I'm just kind of giving a broad overview. I'll be glad to talk to you afterwards about any of it. But I do want to, do want to chime in on one aspect of the debate that's been coming publicly. Because, and this is another one of those things, years ago, and I was surprised to learn fairly recently, evangelicals, the Southern Baptist Convention in particular, who was kind of the, the big figurehead for evangelicalism, right? Because there's the biggest group. Uh, as early or as late as the 1970s and early 80s, they were in favor of abortion. They believed that life began at birth. I didn't know this until recently. Um, but abortion is another one of those things that we're now discussing again, right? And it's important to be educated about it. But one complaint about that from folks on the left, um, or others, not just on the left, is that Christians only care about a child until it's born. And then after that, uh, they really don't care about it because the argument is that uh, Christians don't tend to foster or adopt or support policies that would help women. And unfortunately, I think there's some validity in that argument, but it's not really correct, right? Because Barner Research has found that practicing Christians are more than twice as likely to adopt as the general population. And that's amazing. I think that's wonderful that the church is stepping up in that way and saying, man, we want to take care of these kids. You have orphans, you have folks, the kids that don't have a home, we got them. We will provide a home for them. I think that's amazing. These findings also showed that practicing Christians were more likely to adopt older children, which is difficult, children with special needs, and other children that were considered hard to place. Right? Christians are finding ways to extend the grace they've been given out to the community, to orphans and widows. Well, orphans, particularly this. I was thinking about the passage in James that talks about pure religion being for orphans and widows. So Christians adopt more than non-Christians, and that's amazing. However, right, you know, there's always like, you kind of got to set it up, and then there's great news. There's great news that Christians adopt twice as much as non-Christians. However, only 5% of Christians ever adopt. Only 5% of Christians ever adopt or foster. That means there are 95% of people in churches today that will not adopt, that will not foster care. And I think that's a shame. Now, look, I know it's not for everybody. I've been through it. There's some days I don't even think it was meant for us. All right? What have we done? What in the world? Lord, are you sure that this is what we're supposed to do? I mean, it's a little late to turn back now, and we really can't. But, man... If this was not, I wish you had been a little more clear several years ago, but it's okay. Um, it's not intended to be a guilt trip. I never want to guilt trip anybody into doing foster care or adoption because that's not, that's not cool. 
Maybe some of you in here have thought about fostering or adopting. I know we've got at least one of the family that has adopted, and that's wonderful. Maybe there are some folks that are going to have some room available in their homes in the next year or two. Lots of kids of all ages that need help. Maybe you don't even need to adopt another child. Maybe you just want to foster and help a teenager who's in the system who's going to be aged out in a few years. Mary and I have talked about it, and again, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we've, we've talked about that. We would like to do that. When our kids are old and gone, and we're by ourselves and crazy, I think, probably mentally questionable at some point, we'd like to open up our house to teenagers just to help them get through transition into adulthood. You know? Anyway, something to think about and pray about. I'd love to talk to you about it. I don't want to make, this, is, this, this message is not about that, but I thought it was related. I want to speak on it. But this is the part I want to focus on. Chapter 18, or verse 18, sorry. God has granted repentance that leads to life. The New Revised Standard Version says that God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Even to us, even to you and me. Repentance, the ability to even be forgiven, the ability to even confess your sins. He's given us life, and not just life in the future, but life here and now. Not just heaven, but real, honest-to-goodness, joyful, abundant life right now. In the midst of our pain and our suffering, we have joy. In the midst of the good times, we have joy, and we can thank God for all the amazing things that He's doing. And in the hard times, we can thank Him for the love that sustains us through those times. When we look back on our past and we see His hand in everything, we have joy. When we look around and we see His blessings on us today, we have joy. And when we look forward to the promise of life to come, that's joy. And that joy is always a motivation to do the right thing, always a motivation to live more like Jesus, always a motivation to do what Jesus has called us to do. And that's to love everyone. And that means to our families and our friends, we're authentic with our love. We're never using it as a bargaining chip or never leveraging it to get them to do something that we want them to do. We're always loving them, even when they hurt us, if we love them. And to the world, that means being compassionate for the plight of others, especially those who aren't like us, right? who have a harder time than us, who have less opportunity than us. We long for them to have the same joy that we have found. And you need this joy, and I need this joy and amazingly, it's freely available. We just repent of our sins. We freely profess faith in Christ. God promises to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And He will be with us through everything, reminding us of this joy, bringing us this joy. Today, in reading through this passage, I was reminded there are likely people groups of people or individual people, probably both in some ways in my life that I have maybe not actively but inactively kept at arm's length. I've withheld this joy from them because of my perceptions about them or about things they may have done to me to hurt me in the past or, or I perceived that they wanted to hurt me or I just didn't think they liked me, so I'm not going to like them. You know, sometimes we get petty like that. We've talked about being petty before. The Lord's really working on me about that. Um, and so uh, you may have had that too. 
And you may not can think of, of, of somebody like right away, but maybe God will reveal something to you, because I think we all have. Right? I never, <laughs> I never want to bring any, any as, a, as, a, as a speaker or preacher of any kind, I never want to bring any kind of sin before you that I've not been guilty of myself. Right? And I've been guilty of a lot. Thankfully, God has forgiven, and there's freedom. There's life and joy like we talked about. So today as we uh, finish up and we kind of sing this last song together, speak to God, pray to Him, repent, right? Repent of any time, any group that you have held at arm's length. You've withheld the joy. You've withheld the love. That you've not represented His love well to others. And if, you've, if you realize you've never received this love yourself, Repent of your sins and receive it today. And I'll be in the back, of course. I'll be glad to pray with you. And, uh, and uh, all, of course, afterwards also. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your great love, your great mercy. And I pray that uh, you would bring to mind those of us that are those groups that we may have held at arm's length. We may have withheld this joy from. We may have withheld the good news of the gospel from. For whatever reason, whether we were ignorant or just, you know, whatever, whether we were mean or whatever, God, bring them to mind. Help us to repent of them so that we can uh, be free and uh, maybe extend that joy back to them. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening again. We appreciate uh all of the folks who all of you who listen each week and uh, we would again invite you to share um, our podcast we this would really helpful for other folks to, to hear it you can send them to anchor.fm slash hopecastrc or you can send them to our social media uh, facebook and instagram you can find us at hope church rc and uh, or our website hopechurchrc.org and uh, there are links on all those things back to uh, this podcast you can also find us on apple podcast google podcast spotify uh, all the major podcast uh, providers and uh, if you're on apple podcast uh, specifically they have a rating system if you listen there if you would care to go give us a rating that again helps uh, helps put us in in the old algorithm so that uh other folks will find us but again we hope you enjoyed this and if you ever have any questions or concerns or need prayer or additional encouragement please feel free to reach out to us at hopechurchrc at gmail.com thanks god bless